Up next, a message from Victory Life Church of Milton. 20th chapter, and read, well, I want to read the 30, uh, through the 31st through the 33rd verse. It's really just a couple of words that I want to zero in on there, and then look at some other scripture. The 20th chapter, the 31st verse. Amen. Uh, hallelujah. You got it, Rebecca? Almost always. Isn't she a pumpkin? Along with the rest of my grandbabies. Amen. And Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. He was 30 and 5 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 20 and 5 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Ashbad, the daughter of uh, Shelhi. And she walked in the way of Asa, her father, and departed not from its doing that which right in the sight of the Lord. Howbeit the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not prepared their hearts unto the uh, God of their fathers. Now, uh, Claudia had uh, written that scripture down the way it is, is in the Berkeley translation. And uh, the, uh, that's the uh, 23rd verse. 33rd verse, and it reads this way, except that the high places were not removed and the people stood not, uh, would not fix their hearts on God. And the people would not fix their hearts on the Lord. Now, Jehoshaphat was, was a good king in a lot of ways. Uh, he, there was a degree of honoring God. Uh, he um, walked upright and whatnot. But the high places were not removed. And I believe that's so symbolic of the church today. The church wants to do right. Uh, to a degree, we want to honor God, but we have not removed the high places. And I want to kind of look this morning and just see what some of the high places are. We often think of the high places or the groves or where people would go to worship their idols. Now, we may not go out to some type brush arbor somewhere in the woods and, and worship false gods, but nevertheless, we have our high places and we haven't removed them. And it's our, uh, the biggest hindrance in our lives. You know, people complain that it seems like God's not moving for them or, or, or God doesn't care or this or that. Uh, and, and they may have a degree uh, of religion. They, they may even have had a salvation experience. But they cannot flow or come into the full blessings of God until the high places are removed. Amen. And those so often are those uh, special little places that we re reserve for ourselves, those little rooms that we keep the doors locked in. Amen. And some of those, uh, well, let me just read uh, uh, 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the uh, 3rd and 4th, uh, 5th verse. And uh, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, that... Uh, and casting down uh, imaginations in every high thing. Amen. We're talking about the high places. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And having in captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that word obedience is having everything in submission to Christ. So... Uh, Casting down imaginations and every high thing. So a lot of the idols that we worship uh, are the idols of fear, uh, idols of discontentment, uh, idols of discouragement. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about depression lately. Uh, and depression, 
uh, I, you know, and I've said this several times in the last few weeks, depression uh, is epidemic in this country. I mean, the, you, you can hear the medical reports, you can watch the news, and, and they will tell you uh, that, you know, everybody, every health organization now has a special clinic for dealing with depression. But, you know, they can, they can put you on Prozac, and they can put you on this, and they can put you on that, uh, and it'll suppress it, but it'll never bring deliverance. The only thing that'll bring deliverance is Jesus Christ himself. Now, when we allow our minds to become... See, there's nothing wrong with imaginations, and there's nothing wrong with thoughts. But imaginations that don't glorify and edify God, there's something wrong with them. Thoughts that don't edify and glorify God, there's something wrong with them. And so if I imagine, see, most people imagine that they don't have any future. People, they, they strive and strive and strive to get ahead. And, and even in the striving and driving, they, 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 in the back of their mind, is they're continually worrying about failure. Or, or they won't turn loose. And so often we push it down in our subconscious but we won't turn loose of excess baggage that we picked up through the years. Uh, we refuse to forgive. Uh, we, uh, we, we're so uh, worried about uh, what's going to happen to us or we dwell on what happened to us. Amen. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if it does? What if it doesn't? See, the bringing into captivity... And this is why we have to literally not just quote the verse, but make it a reality. We live, we move, and we have our being in him. He has got to be the center of everything. And instead of giving him the crumbs, we tend to give him the crumbs. What's left over our, of our daily activities. Uh, we go out, we put entertainment ahead of God. We, we go out, we put our jobs ahead of God. We go out, we put all these things ahead of God. We come and we give him a few minutes... And then we wonder why we're not walking in the victory that we should. Well, come on. Now, we have to work. We have responsibility. But even uh, uh, fulfilling our vocation and whatnot, we can be Christ-centered. He can be first and foremost on our minds. See, we should strive to set a pattern uh, of godliness in our lives. Well, amen. He said that when we seek him with our whole hearts, that's the day we're going to find him. And he's just not talking about that time when we come in and surrender our lives and make that profession of faith. But every day has to be a walk of centering in on him. If we're not living and if we're not moving and having our being in him, then we're living and we're under the law of sin and death. See, even Christians... Lay aside the, the, the sin and the weight that does so easily beset you. See, we walk around weighed down, uh, weights. Uh, and, and whenever we uh, have high places in our life, we're carrying weights. The Bible says, take no thought for tomorrow. In fact, let's, uh, let's turn there uh, in Matthew. I believe it's the sixth chapter. I don't lose my place here. Hallelujah. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added on to you. 
Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Take no thought for tomorrow. We spend more time thinking about tomorrow than we do thinking about God. Well, amen. We think, see, if, if we put in as much effort uh, in serving God as we put in uh, trying to get ahead uh, in our vocation or our occupation or, or, or trying to get some kind of future built up, see, we burn ourselves out in these things. And the Bible tells us ourselves that unless God build the house, it's not going to remain. And that's just not talking about the spiritual things. But you see, basically, we are spiritual beings and everything we do is spiritual, even though we're, we're, we're manifesting it or displaying it through a, a, a body of flesh. Well, amen. And so we have to look at all these things. See, we, we're to take responsibility. God gives desires for our hearts. Uh, he calls certain people a certain vocation and whatnot. But to knock ourselves out or depend on the arm of the flesh to, to accomplish it is not going to do anything but build, bring frustration and anger and whatnot. And even if you reach those goals, you won't be happy because you'll be empty inside when you get there. That's why people uh, strive. And, and even the same thing is pretty common in ministry. Uh, I know a brother who was pastoring uh, several years ago and he was uh, doing pretty good but the, the fellowship didn't seem to be growing as fast as he thought it should or whatnot and so he decided that he must need more knowledge about God what he needed was more relationship with God but he decided knowledge what was lacking and so he went up to Kentucky uh, to go to a seminary and so when he went off to seminary and, and was going to gain all this more knowledge and whatnot guess what He's not even in the ministry today. In, in, in one sense, he is. He's a, he's a good brother, but uh, he's in, uh, uh, in finances today and whatnot. And, and uh, he, he found out that the more he knew, that didn't solve the problem. Do you know that the knowledge of God, uh, the love of God surpasses knowledge, the Bible says? There's just something about building that love relationship with God that'll pass any amount of knowledge that you can accumulate. Because see, you can have all kinds of knowledge about God and be a religious educated fool amen uh, I, I listen to some of these uh, more moderate and uh, uh, liberal ministries and whatnot and they've got a list of letters after their names it's something else and most of them don't have enough spiritual insight, uh, insight to come out of the rain they can't believe God for anything they've got to get committees to get together to find out what sin is you know, uh, should we do this or should we do that? Is it all right for same-sex marriages? I mean, it doesn't take any deep thought if you have any relationship with God to know that's a no-no. And, and yet we have whole denominations getting together and debating over things like that. And they're ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know what the truth is? Jesus. It's not uh, being able to come to the realization of a fact, but it's able to come to the knowledge of he who can save you he is truth his word is truth and so we, we try all these things and, and even the church in general we talk about the, the the new age and all this stuff and yet the church because we have allowed ourselves to center in on the wrong things we've set the wrong goals we've got christian homes that are falling apart because christian uh, fathers are spending more time trying to get ahead financially than they are ministering the grace of jesus christ in their homes 
And you can be in ministry and be guilty of that. There's evangelists and whatnot and pastors running all over the world and neglecting their own homes, neglecting their, their sons and their daughters, praying uh, for all kinds of people for salvation and yet don't even have all their time in their own home. <coughs> A man should never be ashamed to let his children see him pray. In fact, is if they don't see you pray, their children probably won't see them pray. See, we've got to set a standard. It just doesn't happen automatically. You've got to get hungry for the things of God. You know, taste of the Lord and see that He is good. Now, the devil is going to fight, but you've got to press in. In fact, is you know, so often we, we what happens is we look at the Word of God, we get excited about it, we mentally ascend to it, we begin to press in, and all hell breaks loose. And of course, the Bible says, when they see the Word, they receive it with gladness. But when persecution and afflictions arise for the word's sake, so persecutions and afflictions are going to come, and they're going to come because of the word. The devil wants to steal the word. So when persecutions and afflictions arise for the word's sake, immediately many are offended. We've got all kinds of people sitting out of church today because they were offended. Well, I, I, I made a commitment of faith, and everything went wrong. And if that's Christianity, I don't want it. And, and that's a very shallow attitude to take because we are dealing uh, with eternity. Well, I get more relaxed getting drunk or getting high or whatnot. Well, maybe uh, temporarily uh, you might, but you have to become dependent on that. And every time you breathe a sober breath, you're, you're right back where you were before. Amen. There's just something about he who the Son has set free is free indeed. But that doesn't mean you sit back and doesn't mean that the enemy is going to let that freedom come uh, without opposition. We've got to be willing to stand there. And see, this is why the devil comes and he encourages us to build high places. Little thoughts that we begin to worship. There's people that worship discouragement. It literally becomes a God to them. And without intervention uh, from the saints of God... Uh, and sometimes going through deliverance, they cannot be set free from it. It's not that they're not good people, and it's not that they're not saved. But the enemy was just show, or the Lord was just showing me how how the enemy is. I was praying about something, and the Lord just let me see like a a, a, a vulture's uh, hand, you know, talon or whatever they call it. You know, the claws were just uh, in a person's brain and just pulling on it. And it said, and the Lord just began to show me it's because they've allowed their mind to go a certain way and even fighting and trying to break loose. It's just like trying to pull that uh, bird's claw out. But uh, it's something that's by the, you know, amen, this is why we need to get a hold of some of the scriptures. Say, let the poor say I'm rich. Let the weak say I'm strong. Instead of, uh, uh, see, we can easily, and, I, and I've gone through as I'm sure a lot of you have, it's so easy to, to build a defeated attitude without realizing it. Uh, you know, I want to press in, but what's the use? You know, and we actually begin to develop that kind of attitude. What's the use? Uh, I'm just going to end up going through this again. Things are still going to fall apart. Well, we're, we're not to be moved by what we feel or see. We, we press in the promises of Him, and, and we're in this race not for 70 or so years. We're in this race for eternity. Amen. And we have to be determined. But see, something else... Uh, Collectively, we've got to be determined. 
I've got to be just as determined and, and intercede without fault-finding, calling, and criticizing or whatnot, but I have to be just as concerned about my brothers and sisters being delivered from the high places as me myself. I need to uplift my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I don't need to know your personal life, and you don't need to know mine to know that we need prayer. Amen. But somehow we don't tend to uplift one another unless there's a crisis, and then we usually get ourselves in such a state we can't pray victoriously anyhow. Because woe is poor. Oh, God, if you're there, please answer. Instead, we should know that the great God of glory is there, and, and he's there to bring deliverance. Hallelujah. This is why praise is so important. And we've been on praise quite a bit lately. But we have to literally be willing to offer that sacrifice of praise. Praise will bring you into the glory cloud. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and you don't start out there. There's a lot of times when I begin to praise the Lord uh, that, that I, I, I feel like warmed over death. And, and when I first begin to praise and whatnot, sometimes walking around my home or, or backyard or whatnot, I literally feel like a hypocrite. But that's the devil bringing them feelings on. I, I need to realize and know that God dwells in the praises of his people and I'm going to praise him regardless of what this thing up here tells me. Because I'm to bring it into captivity, but I have spent too many years letting it bring me into captivity. I need to control the thought life, not my mind. See, this thing's a computer and every whatever is put into it is what's going to program. And so, you know, people talk about brainwashing. I mean to tell you, the body of Christ needs a good brainwashing with the blood of Jesus. We need a good brainwashing. We need to reprogram ourselves, and we need to pro reprogram ourselves with the Word of God. Hallelujah. It's the only thing that's going to stand the test. And, you know, every time you put your trust in man, he's going to let you down. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes the arm of flesh his strength. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and his hope the Lord is, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. Amen. But we, we, it doesn't mean that we're not saved, but when we put our trust in man, we bring ourselves under the curse. When we trust in ourselves, we bring ourselves under the curse. And I don't care how successful we may get in this realm, there's always going to be a sense of dissatisfaction. Amen. Uh, in the natural, uh, every place I worked, I always come to a, a, a place of uh, success, but I was never happy until I become a Christian. Whether it was uh, 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 working for an insurance or uh, whatever selling, I'd always come to a, a position, a salaried position in that and whatnot, and I was still empty. Wanted to work building airplanes and for Boeing and was as high as I could go in hourly wages and still wasn't content, still felt like a failure, still had emptiness, still couldn't deal with life. And then one day I met Jesus and things changed. But over the years, I had a tendency to kind of get into raising up high places again. Get to thinking, well, what if this turns out this way? Or what if this doesn't work out? Or, or you know, what if I don't uh, achieve that height uh, that man looks at as success? Don't ever, see, the, the only important thing is if God sees you successful. That's the only success that counts. What, what did it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose its own soul? 
What if you, you have the highest salary in town and don't have the peace of God? You don't have nothing. If you're not setting a standard where your children uh, uh, see the workings of God's salvation in your life, you're not leaving them an inheritance. Leaving man money and property is not leaving him an inheritance. But it says a wise man leaves his children inheritance. The wisest thing you can do is leave him God himself. See, we're supposed to be kings and priests unto our God. And the Levi's only inheritance, they didn't get property. They didn't get mountains. They didn't get this. They got the Lord. And so this is what we should be striving at. Uh, it, it's wonderful. Uh, and I don't think we should develop a, a, a poverty mentality either. We're not saying that. We should expect to get ahead in life. But that shouldn't be our driving force. Because if we're seeking the kingdom of God, he's going to motivate us to make the right decisions at the right time. It doesn't mean that we may not be getting a little chastening along the way. It doesn't mean that he may not be taking us uh, through some things that, you know, uh, everybody wants to see miracles, but nobody wants to be in a position to need one. But everyone that has a good testimony about a miracle has been between a rock and a hard place. Amen. But see, we, we, we think... Uh, we think too much on the flesh. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Romans the 8th chapter, the 6th verses, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And that word flesh there, they walk not after the human or the natural nature of man. They're not, they're thinking, see, and we're to think different than the world. But basically, we don't. Because we've never allowed our minds to be renewed. We, we've religionized them. We've learned scripture. We've learned religious principle. But we've never renewed our minds to be dependent on Christ. Most Christians are self-dependent. We always have some natural goal. We want people to think highly of us. One thing about David, he was a man after God's own heart, and he didn't even care what his wife thought about him. I mean, when it came to worshiping God, he was just going to let it all hang out. Amen. And he was a man after God's own heart. He was successful in everything. Amen. You know, when he, when he got his eyes off God, he fell and he paid the price for it and whatnot. But God always showed grace and brought restoration. Amen. See, even after David was anointed uh, king in front of his brothers and whatnot, and uh, years before he ever went to, to minister to Saul, but he, David never promoted himself. Well, amen. And we have a tendency to promote ourselves in life. He never promoted himself. Even when he went and he was living in the king's palace and was having javelins thrown at him and whatnot, he never went around yelling about who he was or what have you. Even when he had an opportunity to kill Saul, knowing that he was anointed to be his replacement. When he would come and, and cut just a little hem or a piece of Saul's garment, he would immediately, he would come under conviction for even going to that degree of touching God's anointed. And would feel guilty and repent. But we would say, you know, bless God, he's delivered my enemies into my hands, I'll just cut his throat. But David was a man who learned to let God fight his battles. And that's our problem. Our problem is 
Lord, we've got this battle. Now, I want you to join me in fighting. I've got a plan. <laughs> and so we go out and we try to fight the battle. But the Lord says, you need not fight in this battle, for the battle is mine, saith the Lord. The only fight that we're called to fight is the good fight of faith. That's the only battle that saints are called to fight. And if we're not fighting the good fight of faith, believe me, we are in the groves and the high places. And the high place is right here between these ears. Well, amen. There needs to be some pulling down of some strongholds, and it doesn't come easy. And see, when we try to pull them down and we're pressing in, we begin to fight. The enemy comes along and he begins to tell us we're hypocrites. And he begins to tell us this and begins to tell us that and, and whatnot. And we need to press right into that and don't listen to those lines. Hallelujah. Every person in here, uh, uh, as, as far as I know, uh, are blood-washed saints. Hallelujah. Special people. And we need to see ourselves as that. See, one thing is we've got too, uh, so many of us have too negative an attitude about us. Now, we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. But that, that doesn't mean that we're not to take stock in who we are in Christ. The best that heaven had to offer has been given to us. You've been washed in the blood of God's Son Himself. That makes you special. I don't care what the enemy's done to you. I don't care what's befell you in life. I don't care who tried to victimize you this way or that way or what you went through. The fact is God has raised you up to a height that you are somebody special. Amen. And the angels know who you are. And even the devil knows who you are. He knows the saints of the Most High God. He knows those who are blood washed. And that's why he fights them so hard. But we need to stand up toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose, and eyeball-to-eyeball with the devil and say, I back down for the last time, and you're not going to beat me down, and you're not going to make me think I'm something that I'm not. Because I'm not trash. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not scum. I'm not ignorant. My natural mind may not have everything that it should have, and maybe in the natural I may be a few bricks short of a full load. But bless God, the spirit that created this whole earth indwells me. And when I learn to yield to him, his mind comes into being, not mine. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. But we have to let it. And the devil doesn't want it to operate. You know, most, like, like I said earlier, most of God's people feel they're less than what they are. And they think that, that, that it's uh, uh, almost some kind of heresy to claim uh, who God says we are. If he says we are, then we are. If he says we've been made unto him wisdom, righteousness, redemption, and sanctification, then bless God, those things are activated in our lives and we'll just let it do. We are somebody special. Hallelujah. It's like no matter how much the, the enemy would try to war against Mary Ellis and try to steal her of her, her health and whatnot, we're just not going to let it because we're standing in a gap with her. Bless God. Hallelujah. You know, and that's the attitude we ought to have about each other. We're, we're in this thing together. Little Rocky uh, fighting a physical battle in the hospital. That's not the Melvin's battle. That, every one of us need to fight the good fight of faith in that area. And we need to stand fast and receive, refuse to receive anything but total victory. 
We have too many what-ifs in our life. And I know things can happen that are unexplainable. I know that we can, but, but that doesn't mean that God's word is void. We press in anyhow. It's, it's like when Freddie was in a, a coma and they came and they told us that he wasn't going to live through the night. Well, we had purposed, and we knew anything could happen. We know things happen unexplainable. But we knew this, until they tied a tag on his toe, we weren't planning on any burial services. Hallelujah. It ain't over till it's over. But so often we retreat and just let the enemy come in and do what he wants. And we sit down there and we sit in the corner and we begin to feel sorry for ourselves. But hallelujah. But we need to stand up and raise the standard and wave the banner and say, Bless God, hallelujah. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. And I'm not going to let the devil steal my joy. I may be weary. I may be tired. My mind might be exhausted. But in here, in the castle of my heart, there's going to be a flag waving. And it's going to be joy. Joy is the flag in the castle of my heart. And the king is in residence here. Hallelujah. Whatever you're going through, remember this. There's a king living within you. And he's not just the king of some uh, nation or city. But he's the king and the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. The very God that spoke everything into existence has chose to make you a dwelling place for him. And the devil knows it. You know why the devil fights us so much? Because actually in a sense of the way, we are a reflection of Christ. Now, you ever seen someone get mad at a bully? And, and, and maybe big and strong and are afraid to hit him? Uh, I, I've known cases where the women had of abusive husbands and whatnot, and maybe the guy was big and strong and whatnot. Maybe she couldn't hit him, but she could sure break his picture. Put that thing down on the floor and jump on it and smash it all to bits. Now, amen. Well, see, that's why the devil, the devil hates God so much. And he knows he can't take a swing at him. So he's just trying to find some people who don't know they are who they are in Christ. And, and they will literally let the devil beat their brains out when they have authority over him and he doesn't them. I mean, we need to rise up and shout, bless God. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors. We are victorious. We are more than overcomers. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I tell you, it's, it's an exciting uh, thing. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I want to read. We're all familiar with that. But I'm going to read it again. How therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, but let us lay aside the weight and the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He started this thing, and he is well able to bring it to completion. Hallelujah. Amen. All we have to do is re remain in the boat and let him be the, the oarsman. Jesus, I don't like the way that you're rowing this boat. Let me take a couple whacks at it. And we know the, uh, the, the time when the disciples were laboring all night trying to cross the lake, and they weren't getting anywhere. Jesus walks on the water, gets in the boat, and the Bible says immediately they were at the other side. If we let him take control of the helm, things will uh, greatly accelerate and for the good. 
but we have to let him see. Just because we talk with him don't mean we turn things over to him. And see, uh, and we need to get involved in a prayer life that goes beyond just petitions. Most Christians are Christ's Christians. When we're between a rock and a hard place, we can cry out, Oh, God! But what really touches the heart of the Lord is when there's that communication and there's that relationship every day, even when things appear to be all right. See, that's, that's where our strength comes, is when we can just talk with Him and just fellowship with Him. We've got to learn to make Him the center of our life. But we just hope maybe the right evangelist will come to town and he can maybe lay hands on us and all of a sudden we'll just overnight have this, this new love for God birthed in us. No, it comes from pressing in. It comes from being determined. See, love is something, whether it's in the natural or whether it's in the spiritual realm, love is something you have to work at. It doesn't come by accident. You just don't all of a sudden get zapped by Cupid's arrow and all of a sudden in love. You may get infatuated, but love is something that you have to build on. And love comes about by giving, not taking. Amen. And so our love relationship with God, uh, see, for God so loved us even while we were yet in sin. But God has always even let the rain fall on the just and the unjust alike. God's always manifested love even to the rebellious. Even though they may have had to pay a price for their rebellion. Amen. And so we need to uh, apply those same principles of love where we're going to exercise and demonstrate that love to God even when our mind tells us he's not treating us fair. And almost every Christian one time or another has felt God has let him down, betrayed him. Because, I mean, the enemy's good at telling you that. If God's so great, why this way? Why didn't he make you and program you just to operate that way? Because God didn't want you to be a robot. There's no character in just having a little disc programmed you that you have no choice what to do. Amen. But there's not a person in here that's not the call of God. There's not a person in here that God doesn't have his hand on. Some of us may not be where, uh, walking where we should be. Maybe we've allowed ourselves to be weighed down uh, with high places. Maybe we've built up some groves that should have been torn down. Maybe it's worry, fear. I mean, it doesn't have to be what we consider hardcore sin. But worry and fear and insecurity and, and, and uh, uh, how do I put the self-centeredness. If your occupation and your marriage even means more to you than God, then you need to repent. I mean, he's got to come first. The best way that you can demonstrate love to your husband, your wife, or your children is to love God. Amen. Because when we love Him, see, it's like this. It's, it's like when, when we release that love, you can't outgive God. When I begin to release that love, it just magnifies that love that He sends back to me. And it begins to overflow my capacity to hold it. And then it's got to spill out on other people. Amen. You ever notice some people that have every right to hate people and just don't have sense enough to do it? And the amazing thing is they don't have ulcers either. Well, amen. But there's, there's a place. Uh, and, and what really gets me thinking on a lot of this is a song that we sing. There is a place of commanded blessing. 
There is a place I believe that God's people can press into in Him where, bless God, the enemy's hand is totally broke. But, but we, we meet such opposition pressing in there that it's easier to retreat. But He's commanded to bless. Hallelujah. Can you just raise your hand with me right now? God's commanded to bless. And even I can't reverse it. And Lord Jesus, I just thank you that, Lord, you're going to open my eyes to a greater degree spiritually and just show me and teach me how to walk into a greater relationship with you. Oh, Lord, just let me be overcome by your love. And, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that as your servant, your blessings rest upon me. And I'm going to let them flow and touch the hearts and lives of other people. I thank you that I'm set free this morning from the lying claws of the devil. I'm free from depression. I'm free from discouragement. And I'm free from the spirit. Hallelujah of deception and I'm just depending on you Lord God hallelujah I praise you I thank you that even this day is going to be a wonderful day of rest in you even in the midst of the battles for Lord you hallelujah you are the one who fights the battle and just let me stick by your side during this battle hallelujah I need not fighting this for the battle is yours hallelujah and we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And I thank you, Lord, for just raising up in me, hallelujah, the spirit of Judah. Glory to God. Put in me and stir up in me and release in me and through me the spirit of praise and worship. And Lord, I just give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it in Jesus' name, even right now. This is a different day. Hallelujah. This is your day. And I will be glad and I will rejoice in it. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. I believe that, uh, you know, it's just like, uh, I, I thought that this building here really needed painting bad. And, uh, I mean, it, it looked horrible. And, and I was going to get some paint and start painting it. And Carrie said we ought to wash it down first. And to me, that seemed like a waste of time. But uh, I thought, well, what do we got to lose? So. We got us a little detergent, a little Purex, and, and uh, Bart had a spray bottle, and we come down here and spray the church and wash it off. And a lot of people thought we repainted it. Basically, the only thing we have to do is just really touch up where some paint peeled off. And so, but it showed me something. So often, just discouragement and, 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 and the cares of the world can get on us, and it'll look like this building did all dull and dingy, and, and it looks like we're in worse shape than we are. But just a little bit of that cleansing blood of Jesus stirred up and reapplied, we'll find out this old building's in pretty good shape. Amen. Well, we just speak blessings on you and just come early this evening. Hallelujah, a little pre-service prayer and hang on. God's going to do great things. Thanks for listening to this message from Victory Life Church. Go to victorylifechurchofmilton.com for more and may God bless you.